Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. Today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at SeatGeek. Use our promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. That's L-O-Bucks to get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. And I I had someone tweet me today that they were sad that they couldn't use their SeatGeek tickets because they had something come up and they they had to try to get rid of tickets to tonight's Bucks Celtics game, which is just the saddest thing I've ever heard for a Bucks fan in Boston <laughs> because I think they might have missed the the game of the season. Right, Frank. Uh, I think I, I think that was our our old friend. Uh, I think was that Troy Sampson who yep. uh, who had to get rid of his tickets. Yeah, shout out to Troy. Um, yeah, we uh, we, we so I, I was driving from Dallas to Austin, Texas, uh, during this game and was listening on the NBA Game Time or whatever the app is called via the melodious voice of Ted Davis. And um, I, I got to say, I mean, I, it was it was weird. You know, it's always weird when you when you can't watch a game and you're 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 doing the radio thing. And um, I was I was I, I wish I could have seen it live. I was glad I had Ted Davis to usher me through and that I didn't just DVR it. So I got to kind of enjoy it in the moment. Um, but I was uh, really excited. I got home at 1030 and just sort of like watched it real quick as quick as I could. So, um, yeah, and that was the first question I asked. I asked you, Eric, when we when we kind of got on here, was best win of the season? Question mark. And I, I mean, we've talked about the Spurs game maybe being the, the win in San Antonio, maybe being the most unlikely uh, win thus far, and probably still the case, especially given that Giannis barely played in that game. But um, I mean, this game's right up there. I, I mean, winning in in Boston, a hostile environment. Um, you know, the the king of the fourth, uh, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, he scored 32 points. He lived up to his end of the bargain in terms of the box score. But um, the Bucks, man, they played a, a great team game, and um, they they forced enough other guys to try to beat them, and those guys weren't really able to do it. And um, Bucks, man, Malcolm Brogdon, um, he's making big plays of late. We talked about him being clutch against the Hawks, and uh, I mean, I don't this this game right there with with his triple double as far as being his best performance of the season yeah i think to me the the contenders for win of the season game of the season however you want to call it are the two in which i believe the bucks arrived and i say they arrived twice because obviously they they had a pretty awful month there where things looked about as bleak as they could but i think that cavaliers win i thought that was like the first time where part of me thought like oh this team might actually be good and and Giannis might actually be a superstar and this is all pretty awesome to watch um that one sticks out to me and then obviously this one and yeah as far as brogdon performances go i i would 
I mean, I don't even know where he's had a lot of good ones, which is saying something for a, a second round rookie. Um, but I, I mean, looking at this game, I I was preparing to do to do this podcast by myself, so I have a lot of materials and notes all prepared. But the one thing I was looking at was the final six possessions for the Bucks, and all of let's see, five of them included uh, a Brogdon Monroe pick and roll. And one of them did not, and it was a Middleton Monroe pick and roll, and that was the one where Brogdon kind of bails out everyone with that just insane mid-range jumper with Avery Bradley just draped all over him. But in those six possessions, you have three baskets from Malcolm Brogdon, so six points. You have two assists. And then the only other one was the the shot clock violation with Giannis. And, I I mean, I I thought there was a good chance that that was going to turn into a a bucket there. And uh, that one started with a Brogdon-Monroe pick and roll. And it it was kind of the same thing. It would have gotten a shot for Giannis. I thought he was going to step through. So that would have been six possessions, all ending in baskets, all pretty much because of Malcolm Brogdon. And again, you have to give Monroe credit for setting good screens, and you have to give Monroe credit for finishing. You have to give Giannis credit for that backdoor cut against Jay Crowder where, uh, I mean, a a very good defender, and Jay Crowder falls asleep, and Giannis is able to get him for a backdoor. But it was pretty much Malcolm Brogdon. Um, he, He was the one that kind of created all of this. And, I mean, for... For you to be able to lean on a, a second rounder, a, a five year senior, a second round pick that goes at 36, for you to be able to lean on him in that situation is just, it's just insane. Well, and, and uh, honestly, I don't know how, how crazy, I mean, of all the rookies, of all the kind of unheralded types of guys to, to have a game like this, I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, it's, it's insane, but it's also maybe not. That's surprising uh, coming from Brogdon, given especially given what we've seen from him lately. Um, you know, the fact that he is now the closer at point guard is, you know, it was long overdue. Um, and I think it's not a coincidence, probably, that the Bucks are, you know, actually vaguely competent closing out games now. And Malcolm Brogdon is is always on the court in those situations. And, you know, he's, he's just got that steadiness, that unflappability. And, uh, okay, he, he's not you know, a guy who's going to just be able to create shots and, and hit, you know, I mean, like the shot he hit on Bradley to make it, to, to give the final margin. I mean, that's obviously not a shot he's going to hit that often. But, um, but you know, again, being able to get plays going towards the basket, something that we had questions about, he's shown again and again. He can get into the paint. He can make plays for others. Um, you know, again, not necessarily super flashy all the time, although he will give you those sneaky dunks, those sneaky facial dunks. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but he, you know, again, he makes plays and you know 16 points nine assists um ironically he was a minus 10 which feels like the the best minus 10 uh in a very long time but uh um i, I mean i think the the two-way effort he put in tonight doing what he did offensively late against you know mostly avery bradley uh obviously a guy that you know is is always going to be an, an all-defensive type caliber guy and then the fact that he was, you know, he was tasked late in the game, for the most part being the guy who had to stop Isaiah Thomas. And, you know, Thomas got loose on a couple of plays, you know, kind of one-on-one, got to the basket, and the Bucks didn't have anybody really to help. But, um, you know, the, the, I, I always think back to the, that big three that, that Isaiah Thomas did hit. 
I mean, Brogdon's defense was tremendous. Basically, like Isaiah double clutched it. Um, I think that was maybe midway through the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, otherwise, I thought the Bucks. It was a little ironic. I mean, it, it was kind of in some ways similar to uh, the Bulls game in the sense that the Bucks tried to take the ball out of Isaiah ha- Thomas's hands a lot, just as they tried to take the ball out of Jimmy Butler's hands a lot. Um, you know, Isaiah obviously still got his. You know, thirty-two points on seventeen shots. Um, but it just seemed like other guys uh, could not really pay off when when the Bucks sort of you know maybe sh- you drifted off of them I mean Jay Crowder 0 for 6 Marcus Smart 1 for 7 from 3 um, you know it just didn't seem like other guys even Bradley was 1 for 6 from 3 you know it just seemed like the Bucks sort of gambled on okay you know we'll, we'll live with other guys trying to beat us and um, obviously you look at the final numbers Celtics shoot under 40 percent um, you know guys yeah, there were there were some definitely some mislayups on the Celtics part, um, and you know that's obviously a big reason why why you were able to hold them under forty percent. But um, you know whatever it takes, and you know funny to look at the box score and see the Bucks have two fast break points <laughs> all, all game long, um, but still shoot fifty three percent from the field, and um, obviously do do enough to to come away with a, a huge huge road win to to go two and zero on this little mini trip against. Um, a, a couple teams that that obviously are more than capable of of beating the Bucks, and um, especially tonight taking on the number one team in the East for now. Yeah, it it's just kind of it's wild to see this team come out how they how how they've come out in the last. I, I think I looked at it seventeen of the last twenty three they've now won. Um, so that's three games before the All Star break where they they got that little win streak uh, before the All Star break, and then the the games after but 17 of 23 this Milwaukee Bucks team has won and uh, I mean winning in in somewhat miraculous ways like like you said you, you bring in Brogdon into into the closing lineup you're using Giannis in a, a little bit different way now that he's playing more four and uh, it's just clicking for this team and and they're making it work and uh, win two here, Charlotte and Boston uh, on a little back-to-back, their last back-to-back of the season, and then that gets you set up for Friday against the Pistons. And the best way to go see that game is with SeatGeek. Obviously, we talk about SeatGeek all the time, and you can tell that the season is get, is coming to an end, Frank, because the deals are not quite as good, and there appear to be fewer tickets available. And how do I know how many tickets are available, what kind of deals are out there? Because I'm looking at the SeatGeek app right now and seeing all the green dots. The green dots tell you exactly where the good deals are, and they're graded out for you because SeatGeek searches everywhere for you. The Whatever website you may want to get tickets on, SeatGeek finds and gets on their own website that they put it all together for you and they make it very easy for you um and yeah right now cheapest ticket to get in on friday is 20 bucks and you know what i think that's totally fair there's only there's only a couple home games left uh friday sunday and then monday uh, against the hornets on april 10th so there's not a ton left, and people want to get out and see this team, and for good reason. Like I said, they've won 17 and 23, and if you want to go see it, and for some reason, I don't know why, you haven't used uh, our promo code at SeatGeek. It's very easy. Go ahead, download the app. Once you go get the app downloaded, go to uh, add a promo code, add promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O-B-U-C-K-S. For lockdown bucks, and you'll get a twenty dollars rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. So very simple, very easy, and you get to go see a very good basketball team. Um, 
I, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe I'm not quite there yet, but uh, really some impressive stuff. And it, it's just, man, watching this team now, they, they play with, with such a confidence. And it's just kind of kind of weird to see. Like tonight, again, you see them come out with a, a hot early start. And it just seems like all the things that had kind of been going wrong have have moved back the other way and i don't i don't know frank where else does your mind go on this game it's kind of funny i you know i don't know i mean i thought back to uh i forget what year it was it was 2012 um a year uh, back when kg was still in boston uh larry sanders was was in kind of his breakout mode and uh the bucks won a game in boston i think it was in overtime um but you know we haven't had that many wins in Boston, which is a reason why I kind of stopped going to Bucks games in Boston when I, when I lived there. Um, and so it's we have obviously seen the the Celtics had had their share of struggles. The Bucks have had obviously their share of struggles. Um, and so I think you know it's not just beating kind of an up and coming Celtics team tonight. It's it's about beating a Celtics team that that is obviously contending for the East title. And um, yeah, I mean you know we, I know we normally wait for for the end of the podcast, but I think we want to make this a shorter one because it's it's late. Um, you know, I, I can't help. Uh, I forget uh, who, who tweeted it at me. Um, the, the stat we always look at um, uh, about the, you know, the, the 538 win probability. And um, it was world's angriest boy. M Torino 75 um, took a little screen clip and, and tweeted it at us um, that the Bucks are now a 99 percent likely uh, team to make the playoffs, which uh, I looked it up uh, on March 8th. On March eighth, so basically three weeks ago, can you guess what the Bucks' probability of making the playoffs was via five thirty eight? Eighteen percent, twenty five percent. A week before it was twenty percent. Okay. And on March eighth, it was twenty five percent, and they were projected at thirty eight and forty four. So I mean, that tells you that, that there's other teams that are that are falling off. The Hawks at the time were forty three and thirty nine projected. The Bulls, Pacers, Heat were all projected at forty one and forty one. Um, and the Bucks are really the team in the East here that has really differentiated itself and and won a bunch of games that you didn't maybe expect them to win. And maybe they got a little bit lucky along the way. You know, I, I, I was on uh, I was on the radio this morning doing a, a call with um, uh, on on 105.7, and you know, I, I always like to point out like, hey, the, the defense has been slightly above average since the All Star break, right? I mean, it it has not been incredible. Um, the offense has been actually slightly worse since the All Star break by by ranking perspective. It was tenth before the All Star break. It's been twelfth since then. Um, but they're giving themselves a chance to win every night, you know, and, and I think that's the consistency. I think, um, you know, interestingly, with all these injuries and with Jason Kidd being now fairly disinterested in playing Terrence Jones and Rashad Vaughn, um, we're actually seeing, I, I want to say, a 10-man rotation that actually looks consistent, which I'm shocked that people aren't tweeting about how excited they are to have see consistent rotations, considering we hear complaints about it all year. Um, but, but I mean, we are finally seeing, you know, you can kind of count. I mean, and granted, you, you know, obviously the exact sort of one guys come in and out. I mean, that varies. But um, but we now have this lineup that we've seen, the starters we've seen for a long time. Um, typically Haas, since Henson's been hurt, um, or Henson. I mean, one of those guys gets the the sort of second, uh, second sometimes fourth quarter minutes, usually the second quarter minutes that Thon gets, that Thon would otherwise get as a starter you know, or a normal starter would get. Um, 
And we're seeing now Toledovic get sort of the the backup four minutes behind Giannis. And then we've also seen now some some minutes of for Toledovic with Giannis. Uh, we saw a small ball lineup tonight, actually, which we've seen uh, a couple times of late. Um, I don't think it really helped or hurt them late in the game, but allowed them to get an extra. Oh blow. man! If if some of those Toledovic threes could have gone down in the yeah. fourth, that would that would have really helped things out and made me feel really good about uh, my my residence on uh, Toledovic Ar- Archipelago. That would have really really made me happy. But you know what didn't happen. But yeah, it, it, I, I would agree that uh, things are, things are relatively consistent. And yeah, tumbleweeds. <laughs> Yeah, so so I don't know. I mean, and again, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if I mean, again, obviously, it's a lot easier to be consistent when the team is winning games. And, you know, I think when you're when you're not winning consistently, then it's it becomes sort of the the catch 22 are are the rotations not consistent because, you know, they don't work and you need to find something else or are they you know, are you not winning because the rotations aren't consistent and you know what came first, chicken or egg? Mm-hmm. Um, and right now it's, it's a little bit easier because, well, the Bucks are winning games. And so, and other you know, people you, are injured and, and guys are injured. Exactly. It just yep. works. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I don't know if that will continue forever. I don't know when Michael Beasley gets healthy. Um, but I think we're seeing um, that the team has found ways, especially with that that Middleton-Monroe combination sort of anchoring lineups without Giannis. I think that's smart. I think that makes sense. Um, and, you know, you throw Toledovic in there, I think that's some nice balance. I mean, defensively, you wouldn't think it would work that well. But Mirza's, I mean, the Bucks are are not bad. I mean, the Bucks are actually great when Mirza's on the court defensively just mm-hmm. by kind of pure on-off rating. And I don't think that's a complete coincidence. I'm not saying Mears is like a, you know, great defensive player, but I think he's a guy who sort of generally goes where he's supposed to. And um, I think he, I don't think he hurts you in the way that maybe some people assume defensively. I mean, and I mean, he um, has experience in the system. Like right. he he ran this before with kids, so this isn't something totally new for him to pick up. Like he he has a, you would think a general understanding of kind of how all of that goes. So. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, my only my only concern now it feels like is when when John Henson returns, uh, what happens? Like, is he is he just gonna usurp those minutes from Hawes and take some from Maker? Do both of them try to play? Does that happen all over again? I, I don't know. I'm I'm fascinated to see, but you know what? I don't really care tonight because the Bucks won 103-100. Uh, and uh, just looking at that game, Frank, did you have – I know you watched the end of the game quickly. Did you happen to hear what happened at the 106 mark in the fourth quarter? Mm, I don't know why. What happened at the 106 mark of the fourth quarter? Well, at 106 <laughs> – uh, Tell me more. Brogdon, the middle middle pick and roll with Monroe. That was when the defender fell down, and he, he made the nice little pass to, to Monroe. And Marcus was talking about the Bruce brothers and the connection and how good it was, and then mentioned someone on Twitter told me I should start using Brog Row. Whoa! Uh, I missed that entirely. Yes. I missed that entirely. Yes. And then what? He, he totally... He, did, he ta- did he totally... I, I, mean, he went back, he, I mean, he went back to Bruce brothers, but still... He gave Brogrell a little bit of play on the broadcast, and I gotta say that that's probably one of the prouder moments in Locked On Bucks history. Uh, well, the next thing is that we have to teach Marcus that it's not Brogrell; it's Brogrell. 
Um, he he did kind of stumble on it, so it kind of came out yeah. like that. It kind of came yeah. out like that. So maybe he really did study up and he was ready to go. Oh, he's yeah. the one that's listening to Locked On. Not, yeah. not Jason. It's it's Marcus. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I guess looking at I, I guess one thing that remains cool to me is that Giannis in crunch time is, is just okay with letting other people take his shots if that makes any sense because I mean he's a top 10 15 player in the league whatever you want to say he's gonna be an all NBA guy and those are his shots those are his possessions those those are all him and there's never been a, a fit thrown there's never been I mean even just standing like he when Brogdon had the ball he decided to make that cut, and he got involved, and he made a play there. Like, like he he's still actively involved. It's not pouting. It's not why on earth is someone else taking this shot. It's actively wanting guys to do it. And I I know we heard after uh, the Hawks game on Friday that Giannis specifically said like, "Hey, this matchup really works. Dwight Howard isn't covering Monroe well enough. We know we can get this look. Let's have Brogdon." And Monroe run this middle pick and roll, and that that's fine. Like, let's go to this. It's going to work. Let's do this. Like, he was the one calling that shot, calling out that play, and saying, these are the guys we should go to. And, again, we didn't hear anything like that after the postgame, but you'd have to assume if it was a problem with Giannis, well, he, he could go get the ball. He, he could go do what he needs to do. And kind of the same thing with Middleton. Those two guys had been – during the road trip and it, over the last month since Middleton ret- has returned, it's been those two guys. Those are the guys that get those shots, that have the ball in those moments, that are the playmakers, that are the stars, and, and they've willingly ceded that time to Malcolm Brogdon. And uh, to Brogdon's credit, obviously he's been fantastic in those moments, but still just the fact that you have two stars that are selfless enough and recognize the moment that hey we have other talented guys on this team that that can go out there and make these plays and uh, just as i start to think about it and we talked last night about how the others are are actually making plays and how the others won that game and i, I think when you see the others win games for the bucks when middleton or, or Giannis don't play great well i think that's part of it that keeping those guys actively engaged, keeping those guys feeling like they're a part of this and giving them those opportunities allows them to, to come through in those moments late in games, allows them to come through um, when those guys have bad games. So, uh, I don't know, it I, it just seems like something that you don't see all the time and you don't see every team kind of be okay with that. And, and to those two, to Giannis and Chris's credit, it, they've been totally okay with that and i i think it's helped the bucks uh, immensely yeah and i think maybe you know with Giannis, it might be kind of that that european sort of basketball dna you know where it, it's not just about him hunting his shots and hunting his stats and hunting his glory uh even though obviously they they've gone to him in in big moments more this season than, than certainly obviously ever before in his career um but you know fundamentally he's an unselfish guy and and um i think you know again this is always the hard part, not not to use this as an excuse to pick on Delhi, but um, you know I think th- this is a thing, right? Brogdon can keep you honest defensively in a way that that Delhi couldn't, right? And and it was just a really yeah. easy pick when there's a pick and roll involving the Bucks point guard that you know you're not gonna 
you know, you're going to dare Delhi to shoot that floater regardless of, of how effective it is. And I saw on Twitter, it looks like it's of questionable. It, it might be pretty effective. I don't know. There's no, it doesn't seem like there's a great stat for floater, um, for floaters, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, in Brogdon, I mean, we saw it. I mean, we saw Brogdon hit, hit a couple floaters tonight and, um, you know, he, he can get to the rim normally, obviously much better than, than Delhi can. And, um, I don't even know. I'm not going to act like that. That last shot on Bradley was anything, but you know, just uh, uh, the the basketball gods smiling down on the Bucks um, uh, on a night when Brogdon sort of of all the guys deserved to hit a shot like that. But um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that balance obviously helps them, and you know, having a, also a center on the court like Monroe who uh, is more skilled and can do things and isn't just out there, you know, to catch lobs and dunk the ball. I mean. It'd be nice if you did that too, but um, but I think having that that passing ability and that confidence um, it, it does help you and and you know Monroe's been one of the few guys over the last year or so that that has been very good in the clutch in the fourth quarters for the Bucks and um, you know looks like Brogdon maybe is is ready to join him and I think I think I saw the stat the other day that like him and Giannis are the uh, like two of the top three I think guys in terms of fourth quarter field goal percentage um, I think in the clutch I was looking at Brogdon's numbers are you know not outstanding he's like he's not shooting above 50 percent uh, from the field uh, in the fourth quarter but he's he's very respectable and you know again uh, compared to you know Delhi shooting in the 20s or whatever it is um, if you can get a guy who who shoots a, a you know Brogdon shoots forty seven percent in in clutch situations he's made I think like two out of three threes so not not a high volume but um, but all that stuff is is obviously big because um, samples are always going to be small in in crunch time and yeah. and it's the difference between you know uh, making or missing one shot is is so often the difference in winning and losing and tonight obviously Brogdon delivered three of those shots and. Um, Net result: Bucks are thirty-nine and thirty-six. Three games above five hundred. Insanity! Fireworks! Uh, fireworks! Fireworks! Yeah, yeah, crazy. And and to think, you know, now they have this golden opportunity against a couple teams that they're better than at home uh, in Detroit and Dallas. And we'll talk a lot more about that tomorrow. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, enjoy it, Bucks fans. Just enjoy it. Enjoy Final question: game. I got one enjoy last question for you, Frank. Yeah. Did this game make you want the Celtics more in the playoffs? Um, I think it kind of underscored that, you know, they don't have those other go-to guys. I mean, we were just talking about the Bucks having other guys who can kind of pick up the slack. And, I mean, it's not to say that the, you know, uh, the Bucks are better from two through five in crunch time than the, than the Celtics. Um, but... I think the Bucks are, you know, more balanced offensively. Um, you know, Bradley's not really a, a a creator per se, even though he's become a pretty good shooter. Smart is just all kinds of inconsistent. They really don't have a big guy who you can, you know, kind of throw the ball to and expect him to be able to make plays the way the Bucks have with Monroe. Um, so I, I think there is, you know, they're, they're certainly vulnerable. I mean, look, I mean, this team's never won a playoff series, right? I mean, they're they're better than they have been in the past, but. Um, and, and Thomas is obviously on a different level than maybe he's ever been, obviously, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know. I mean, you know, are you, are you going to win a first round series against the Celtics? I doubt it, but do you have a puncher's chance? Uh, Sure. Puncher's chance. Sure. But I'd say the same probably about the wizards as well. And and maybe even the Raptors, if Lowry isn't, um, a hundred percent. So I don't know. After tonight's game, I couldn't decide if I love the fact that they play small because that that kind of allows 
the Bucks more than anyone else in the world obviously hunt out mismatches. Like they that is their thing. They are all about that. And the Celtics just totally allow you to do that. Like they play an insanely small lineup and at any moment Monroe, Giannis, or Chris can think, Okay, this dude can't cover me in the post. Give me the ball. And when the Bucks decide to turn those into good shots it's awesome like if they decide if Giannis decides hey I'm gonna put this dude under the rim and dunk on him that's great if Chris decides hey I'm going to get as deep as I can and get take like a six foot fade away off the glass like that's nice or if any of the three decide hey I'm gonna back them down draw that second person and then that's gonna start a chain of passes that ultimately gets us an open three the Bucks look really good against the Celtics. Like, really good. But, obviously, that's not always the case. And, obviously, there are times where Chris will opt for an 18-foot fadeaway baseline double pump. Or Giannis will hurry himself a little bit. Or uh, maybe he'll take a jumper when he, he shouldn't take a jumper. Or same thing with Greg. And, I, I don't know, it, it both... It both tempts me because it allows them to take advantage of things that they like to do, but also just totally terrifies me because it allows them to amplify the things that I don't like about them as well. Like, like there, there's a very delicate balance and a line that can very easily uh, be crossed on either side that the Celtics team presents to the Bucks, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I think I feel better than I did 24 hours ago about playing the Celtics in the playoffs, but at the same time, I, like you said, is it a pun- it's probably just a puncher's chance. It's not actually me thinking like, oh, they can beat the Celtics. And no, I'm not there, but certainly a puncher's chance. Yeah, and I think the, the it's funny. We looked at the schedule coming into this year and thinking, man, end of season schedule, that's going to be rough. Not looking forward to to that because the Bucks are going to have to come in basically with a pad and the standings just to kind of hang on. Instead, they came in with a deficit and have used this difficult kind of road heavy schedule to build momentum. You know, which is complete <laughs> opposite of what I would have expected. Yeah. Um, but I think the the real you know it, it sort of has a double whammy effect because obviously you know winning is winning right winning is great um, but the fact that they're doing it now when you're talking about a young team and they're doing this and they're getting confident and they're getting that sort of belief um, late in the season against you know by beating a lot of teams that again people would say they're not expected to beat you know whether it's you know and obviously a lot of these teams I mean there, there's different things going on you know like you know I know the Clippers aren't playing great right but hey. You're the Bucks. You just want, you know, you won in LA. You won in Portland. You took care of business in Sacramento easily. Yeah. You know, you go out and you get, you know, boat raced by the Bulls, to steal your favorite phrase. And then you shake it off and you say, okay, you know what? We got a tough two game road trip. We're just going to go manhandle Hornets <laughs> and then we're going to go in and, and kick the Celtics in the teeth when, you know, they yeah. certainly didn't expect to lose. So, I, I just like the fact that this team is kind of, you know, you just love that it's peaking at the right time. And obviously they still have seven games left. So, you know, don't count your eggs before they hatch, blah, blah, blah. But um, it's 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 a good time to be to be doing this. And uh, and again, you just hope that that it kind of continues to kind of build that belief and, you know, not a, a false sense of security. But, you know, obviously right now it seems like the Bucks are are finding a way to channel that in the right direction. And 
um, it's kind of snowballing. I guess my final message is get your tickets while you can because the Bucks are, are going to be in town for the weekend, Friday and Sunday. And obviously use SeatGeek and use our promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O-Bucks. And that'll get you a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. And if you've already used it, one, thank you. But two, you can use SeatGeek anyways. Try to get to the Bradley Center in one of these two games this weekend or for the for the home finale against the Charlotte Hornets on April 10th. That's a, that's a little bit of ways a uh, little bit little little ways away yet. So, uh, that's going to be it for us on Lockdown Bucks today for Frank Madden. This has been Eric Name. Shout out Marcus Johnson for Brog Row. Uh, shout out all of you for listening every day and subscribing and having a great time with us. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99 cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17